seated, please. Praise the Lord. We want to welcome you this morning to Brinesburg Baptist Church. And for those of you that are joining us through television and through Facebook Live, we are so glad that you're with us today. I am Brother Brad Walker, and I'm the pastor here at Brinesburg Baptist Church, and we're so glad to have you with us this morning. And those of you on Facebook Live, again, if you would, let us know there in the comments section that you're with us. Always a joy to know who we're reaching out to on each uh, service, and so we'd love to hear from you today. And any prayer requests that you might have, uh, put those in the comments section as well, and we'd love to be able to pray with you today. Uh, for those of you, this may be your first opportunity to be with us here at Brinesburg. We want to welcome you, and you'll notice there in the pew in front of you, there is a card, and you'll fill that out and place it in the offering plate that's right there on that middle table, that round table in the foyer as you're leaving. We appreciate that. helps us to know of your attendance and how we can minister to you, and so glad that you are with us today. Uh, but we're here for one reason, and that is to worship our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And we have much to be thankful for, and uh, so glad that you're with us today. Again, many uh, announcements. Hope that you have looked at those things that pertain to you. Uh, one thing that is not in the bulletin I want to let you know about is we do have a sign-up list uh, for our nursery for next year. If you'd like to help us with that particular ministry, it's not every Sunday. It's just uh, on a rotation basis. Uh, please do sign up if you'd be willing to help us in that uh, great ministry to our young couples. And uh, that list is out in the foyer now. Also want to invite you to be a part of our Thanksgiving meal tonight at 6 o'clock. That'll be a catered meal. We're just asking you uh, to bring whatever your favorite dessert might be. It's going to be a wonderful time, and uh, we'll be having our Thanksgiving prayer and praise and testimony time uh, during uh, that, that uh, meal as well, and so hope that you'll make plans to be a part of that. Right after the service this morning, we're going to be having our Brazil mission trip meeting. If you're interested in the uh, idea maybe of being a part of that team this summer, We'd love for you to come, hear a little bit about what the travel is going to be like, some of the things that we'll have to be doing uh, to get ready for that trip. Uh, but that'll be right after the service this morning, and that'll be in the choir room. And so uh, come get more information. Maybe you're just kind of thinking, praying about it. Uh, we would like for you to come and get that information this morning. Um, but also, tonight, after our uh, Thanksgiving meal and prayer and praise time, we're going to be having our annual Operation Christmas Child packing party. And always a great joy to be able to come to kind of a fruition of all that's the work that's gone on throughout the year as a church family. And I believe we're going to have enough to be able to do 300 boxes together this evening. And so we want you and your kids and grandkids to be a part of that. And it's going to be a joyful time. And uh, just so you have an idea of who we're reaching, what, what's going on with these boxes, that it is more than just a kid getting a toy. I want you to see just a little bit about how this impacts the lives of these kids and their families. The joy of seeing a child open the boxes for the first time is just, it's incredible. We are so excited. Many of the children receive the boxes for the first time in their lives. We pray that these boxes that we use bring a lot of happiness and joy, but more importantly, the gospel to each heart. All these little children around the world. No greater need and no greater time than right now for us to go out and serve boldly. This is what these shoe boxes are all about, to go out and to bring a hope of Jesus Christ around the world. I'm just so amazed at what God does each and every year. This is an opportunity to impact the lives of millions of children, just like you've seen. But we need more boxes for next year. Every box is an opportunity for us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So thank you, and God bless each and every one.
begin this evening. Th these will be the boxes that our church as a whole has put together. Uh, but we invite you to put together a box or two boxes or however many you want for just you and your family or maybe you and your Sunday school class. And the last day to bring those in will be next Sunday as we'll be presenting those here. Uh, our kids will be bringing those in and we'll pray over them next Sunday morning. And so we want you to be a part of that with your family. And so we invite you to bring those in through next week. Uh, we do have many on our prayer list today, uh, many who are going through struggles health-wise, uh, procedures that they're looking towards uh, in the, maybe this week or recovering for, from this week, and we certainly do want to remember those families. Also families that are struggling with relationships that are broken, financial issues, but uh, as we come together, we always recognize the greatest need is the need of the lost. It's the need of us to be able to share the gospel uh, with our lost family member, our lost friend, or that one that we go to school with or work with. And so we want to pray for those opportunities to have gospel conversations and for the Holy Spirit himself to go ahead of us, prepare our hearts, and that we might see a great harvest here in the days to come. And even as we come towards Thanksgiving, those times together with family, uh, the, the Lord will open up that avenue for us to be able to talk to somebody and, and tell them about the love of Jesus and how they can have that relationship with him. And so let's pray for those things this morning together. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to come together and to lift up our hearts and our voices to you in praise, to, to pray and to know that these prayers make a difference, Lord. Uh, Lord, that as we lift up the needs of a family member or a friend or somebody in our, own, in, in our own household, Lord, that you hear us and you're responding to us. And Lord, that whatever it is that we're facing right now, no matter how insurmountable it may seem in our own strength, that with you, that it, it's nothing, Lord. It's something that you can take from us. And, Lord, you can handle it, Lord, it's too heavy for us. And so, Lord, we lift up these many needs. And many of those are physical in nature, Lord. We've got folks that are really concerned about a health diagnosis, about a, a surgery that they're facing, a, uh, an issue that, Lord, only maybe you know about right now. And, and they're, they're worried. But, Lord, we can give that worry over to you. We can give that anxiety over to you. And, Lord, you've called on us to do just that today. Lord, we also recognize there's broken relationships and financial issues that are stressing families. But most importantly this morning, as we come together, we recognize that the spiritual condition of many is of your greatest concern. And so, Lord, we lift up the needs of those who don't yet have a relationship with you. Lord, and their greatest need is not a physical or, or, or financial. Uh, Lord, their, their greatest need is to have that relationship with you, to be forgiven of their sins, and to know that they have a relationship with you that will go on for eternity. And so, Lord, this morning we pray for those opportunities to have those gospel conversations. And as we have that conversation, we pray that their heart is made ready to, to hear the gospel and for the gospel to take root and for them to, to know that you have come into their heart and life and, and forgiven them and that they are saved. And so, Lord, today in this place, Lord, I know I've got friends that are here and they don't yet know you. Lord, maybe they come every single week, but they still don't know you personally. And so, Lord, I pray that today might be the day of salvation for them, to your honor and to your glory. Lord, we love you. And to Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Light of the world, you stepped out into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see.
This morning as we come to this opening time of prayer here at the altar, uh, maybe there is a need in your life. Maybe there is uh, a, an issue that you know you just need to lay down at the foot of the cross. And we want to give you that opportunity here as we begin this time of worship together. Not, not just at the end of our time, but right here at the beginning. To be able to come and to say, Lord, I, I know this is, this is weighing on me. This is all I can think about. And I want to hear from you this morning. And so we come and we give it over to the Lord. And so uh, we want to give you that opportunity to just have that time with just you and Jesus right here. And maybe you want to spend that time at the altar. Maybe you want to spend that time in your pew, at home, uh, wherever you may be. But uh, this morning, let's, let's spend some time with him. With every head bowed and with all eyes closed, this altar is open at this time. Come, let's lay it down at the foot of the cross. Father, we come to you this morning, and Lord, we recognize that as we come into this place, there are many burdens that are brought with us, many concerns of life that, Lord, come into these pews, and Lord, are heavy upon our hearts, and Lord, we pray this morning that, Lord, we would just lay it down, and Lord, we pray that we'd be able to, to truly trust you with whatever the anxiety is in our heart and in our life right now. And Lord, trust you that you're going to do what you said you would do. Lord, you're going to take care of it. Lord, that, that you're going to take it from us. And Lord, that we don't have to worry any longer. Lord, we recognize that, Lord, we're very weak. We're fragile. We're frail. Uh, we're finite. But Lord, you're strong. Where we are weak, Lord, you've given us the promise that you will take whatever the burden may be. And Lord, that you will give us the strength to take the next steps. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. And this morning, once again, just pray for those who are here with a heavy heart because, Lord, they recognize they're lost. Lord, they recognize they don't have a relationship with you. Lord, today I pray that, that you would speak to them, even right now, that, that as the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes out of their heart, Lord, that they might recognize that you want a relationship with them. And as we continue to study your word, Lord, that they would respond to you in saving faith before we leave this place, Lord, that they too would know what it means to, to have the true answer to all the questions and all the issues of life, that they would know. Jesus Christ is our Savior and Lord. Oh, we love you. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Be seated, please. And morning. 
We're going to sing one uh, that you guys probably know. Um, this one's about the power that rose Jesus from the grave and how, as believers, that pow- same power lives in us, and we can do just extraordinary things with that power. So sing this with us. With me. I can see the waters raging at my feet. I can feel the breath of those surrounding me. I can hear the sound of nations rising up. We will not be overtaken. We will not be overcome. I can walk down this dark and painful road. I can face every fear of the unknown. I can hear All God's children singing out, we will not be overtaken, we will not be overcome. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave, the same power that commands the dead to wake, lives in us, lives in us. The same power that moves mountains when he speaks, the same power that can calm a raging sea, lives in us. He lives in us, He lives in us, lives in us. We have hope that His promises are true. In His strength, there is nothing we can do. Yes, we know there are greater things in store. We will not be overtaken, we will not be overcome. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave. The same power that commands the dead to wake lives in us, lives in us. The same power that moves mountains when he speaks. The same power that can calm a agency lives in us, lives in us. He lives in us, lives in us. It's greater he that is living in me he's conquered our enemy no power of darkness no weapon prevails we stand here in victory oh and greater is he that is living in me he's conquered our enemies no power of darkness no weapon prevails we stand here in victory oh in victory the same power that rose jesus from the grave the same power that commands the dead to wake lives in us lives in us the same power that moves mountains when he speaks the same power that can calm a raging sea lives in us he lives in us he lives in us lives in us amen amen thank you all what a great reminder that no matter what we're facing no matter how li- how tough life's circumstances and trials may seem to us uh, that we have the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, the, the power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us, and we need to, to live that out on a daily basis in front of those 
uh, in our family and those in our community we work with and go to school with. That's the testimony of our life is that power. This morning, if you will, turn with me to 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3, as we focus on the second coming of Jesus and that promise of the coming day of the Lord. As you're turning there to 2 Peter 3, let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for how you have already spoken to our hearts through song, Lord, how you have already moved us as we spent time in prayer. And Lord, this morning, I, I pray that you would speak as only you can through your word. And Lord, all of us have come with a variety of different needs here this morning. Lord, some of us are here and we're in need of some correction today. Some of us are here and we are in need of some encouragement today. Lord, some of us are here in, in need of salvation today. Lord, you know the need of every heart. And Lord, as we come to this place, Lord, we know that your word is sufficient to meet every need. And Lord, this morning I pray that once again uh, that you would work in each heart and each life. I know that I am a very weak vessel. I pray that you might hide me behind the cross, that only you would be seen and only you would be heard. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In 1942, General Douglas MacArthur was forced to leave the Philippines before the Japanese conquered the islands. And as he left, he gave the Filipino people this promise, I will return. Now, many doubted whether or not that MacArthur could actually keep such a promise. But in the fall of 1944, he did return. And he returned in power and he defeated the Japanese army, retaking the Philippines just as he said that he would. Even though many had doubted the great general, he was true to his word. In an even greater way, 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus Christ walked upon this earth. And he was different from any man who had ever lived before and any man who had ever lived since. He was different because he was the God-man. He was God in the flesh. He came to this world to live a perfect life, to die a perfect death, and to make a sinful people perfect and to give them eternal life. And after he died, and after he rose again, he returned to his father. Before he left, however, he made this promise. He said, I will come again. Many doubt the truth of that promise. Many doubted it then, and many doubt it still today. Perhaps some of us here this morning, perhaps you've come this morning, and you doubt whether or not you really believe that promise. After over 2,000 years, is he really going to come again? And if there is any doubt in your mind as to the return of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, then you are here for a reason. You're here for a purpose because God wants to use this message this morning to reinstill the understanding that that promise is true. Peter had to deal with a doubting crowd in his day as well. In these verses, he handles their objections and provides genuine hope for those that believe Jesus will really come again. And so this morning, I want you to be able to hold on to the promise of Jesus Christ himself, that he will come again. I want you to know that that is a promise that is true. And with that promise, I want you to ask the, and to be able to answer the question for yourself, am I ready for that event? 
do I have a personal love relationship with him so that I will be ready for the day when he returns? And with that in mind, please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word this morning. 2 Peter chapter 3, and let's look at the first nine verses together. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, whereby the world that, when was, that, that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You may be seated. So Peter answers that question. Is, is Jesus really going to keep his promise? Is he really going to come again? He, he, he answers those questions this morning. And first you look at verses 3 and 4, and it's, his coming is doubted. And in these verses, Peter sheds some light on the nature of the doubters. First, notice in verse 3, their character. They are called scoffers. Now, a scoffer is one who mocks, who ridicules, who, who makes fun of. And these people delight in making fun of the Word of God. And I, I bet you know some people like that today, don't you? People who delight in making light of God's Word and of God's promises. Every pronouncement of God is just another piece of fuel for the fire of, of them joking about, oh yeah, I'm sure that's true, I'm sure God really did that, making fun of all the promises of God. But also in verse 3, we see in the second part of that verse, their conduct. These people made light of God's judgments because to acknowledge the truth of it would mean that they would have to change their lifestyles. To say that there is no such thing as absolute truth allows us to then live by whatever truth that we want to live by. To say that there is no absolute standard means that I get to make up my own standard. To say that there is absolute truth, to say that God gets to call the shots, that he gets to say what is right and what is wrong, means that, you know what, the way that I'm living my life, the choices that I'm making, they may be wrong. They may not be in line with how God has called me to live. And, and therefore, I may have to adjust. I may have to change some things. And, and it's always played out this way. It's, all, it's always been this way of, of people who want to make light of the Word of God, people who want to scoff at the Word of God, uh, saying, you know what, he, he hadn't kept his promises, so it's not going to happen. If it hasn't happened now, it'll never happen. We see that people were that way in Noah's day. Noah was, was given the warning by God that the flood was going to come and it was going to destroy the whole earth. And he, he, he spent 
um, th- those, those decades warning the people. And decade after decade, the people said, Noah, you are crazy. You are a nut job. Here you are building a boat, and it has never rained a drop from the sky. What are you talking about, Noah? They, they saw him as a lunatic. But Matthew 24, 38 For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. It was too late when the scoffers finally realized, you know what, that boat is the only way to salvation. It was too late. We also see the people of Sodom. Generations later, in, in Genesis chapter 19, verse 14, we see in, in Sodom that the people had no regard for the, for the word of the Lord. And it says, And Lot went out, and he spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters. And he said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. In other words, he seemed as a fool. His words seem so foolish. Yeah, God's really going to rain down fire from heaven. Fire and brimstone is really going to destroy this city, I bet. They didn't believe it until it was too late and it was happening. God kept his promise. And the same is true in our day. As we try to tell people there is one way to salvation. There is one way to, to, to live a right life and to have the promise of an eternity with, with the Lord. And that is through a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are mocked. Our politicians today mock God's promises. Our entertainers today mock God's promises. Our athletes today mock God's promises. Men love their sin too much to turn their lives over to the Lord. And so if if they could only see the truth concerning the nature of their sins and what their future really holds, they might listen But it's been that way in Noah's day, in the day of Sodom, and it's that way today. They will not listen. But notice also their complaint. Look at verse 4. This is what they say. They they look around uh, over the last few years of their memory, what they can remember, you know, uh, from the last uh, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, 80 years, however old that they may be. But they go back into their memory and conclude that he hasn't returned yet. Well, he hasn't returned for this amount of time. Therefore, there's no reason to believe that he ever will. If he hadn't done it yet, then it's never going to happen. And yet, God continues to say, no, my promises are true. Preachers from Paul on down have preached the nearness of the coming return of Jesus. And he hasn't done so. And so that must mean that they're all wrong, right? that's, That's the argument here. Society would say yes, but the Bible says differently. The Bible says something completely different. And that brings us to verses 5 through 7. And this is, his coming is determined. His coming is determined. Peter reminds us that the critics are willingly ignorant. In other words, they refuse to process some very important data. They're leaving some things out. Because they don't want to believe that God is going to keep his promise. They have a very limited vision and fail to remember that God, not them, is in control of the universe. Today, you know, we're pretty proud people. We'd like to think that we can control everything. We'd like to think that we can control hurricanes. We'd like to think that if we just changed a few things, that hurricanes wouldn't happen anymore. 
We like to think if we would just change a few things, that global warming would completely go away. We like to think that we're in control of the universe. We're not. God is. And since he is in control, he can break into time anytime he chooses, and he can do as he pleases. The critics also forget that God is bound by his word. And that he will always do exactly what he says he will do. Has God ever broken his promises? The answer is no. He has never broken a single promise, even when those promises seemed crazy. If you were in Sunday school this morning, you heard a a promise to Abram and, and Sarai that sounded crazy. But God kept his promise, didn't he? God always keeps his promises. Matthew chapter 5, verse 18 For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. The return of Christ hangs totally on the word of God. I wouldn't tell you that Jesus was going to return if he hadn't told all of us that very truth in his word. I I, I wouldn't tell you anything that is not in the word of God. There's some crazy things I could make up. And I could say it, and I, and I could say it with conviction. But if it's not in the Word of God, you don't need to believe it. But it, it hangs on the Word of God. It is only, it's our only witness. The Word of God is our only witness to the truth of, of, of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ's return. And it's the only witness we need because it is the very Word of God. Peter gives three instances when God has and will stepped into time and changed the world. Note all three of these events are products of his word. Okay, there's, there's a promise, and then there's God keeping that promise. Okay, so, so the first is the formation of the world. In, in verse 5, he speaks of that. And God said. We see that nine different times there in Genesis chapter 1. And God said, and guess what takes place when God said? It comes to be. And God said, and there was light. And God said, and there was dry land. And God said, and there were animals. And God said, and and all these things come into being. Psalm chapter 33, verses 6 through 9. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his word. He gathered the waters of the sea together as a heap. He layeth up the depths in the storehouse. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitation of the world stand in all of him. For he spake and it was done. And he commanded and it stood fast. The word of God is the reason that the world itself exists. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. In other words, God stood on nothing and created everything. It is because of his very word. But secondly, the flood in Noah's day. Look at verse 6. Another promise that God made and it came to fruition. Genesis chapter 6, verses 6 through 7, and then uh, chapter 7, verse 17, we see this very promise being kept. The scoffers in Noah's day said it would never happen, but it happened anyway. Their unbelief did not keep the flood from happening. Their unbelief did not keep the torrents of rain and the torrents of the sea from flooding the earth. 
the Lord had spoken and it came to pass. But then the third thing is yet to come. But if God has kept the other two promises, he will keep the third. In verse 7, the fire that is to come. A day is coming when by his word, God again will destroy the world. But not through a global flood, but through fire. The scoffers laugh at it. The scoffers say, Brother Brad is a crazy preacher, isn't he? He gets up here and he still believes these silly notions that that are over 2,000 years old. He's still preaching it like it's truth. The scoffers are still the same as they were in Peter's day and in Paul's day. But God already has the combustible materials in place to make it happen. Oxygen. Oxygen is required for all combustion. It is what fires feed on. Take away the oxygen and the fire dies. Turn on the oxygen and the flames will flare. And yet with every breath, we pull this highly explosive material into our bodies and think nothing of it. Nitrogen. Nitrogen is the component that makes dynamite, TNT, and nitroglycerin explosive. And yet every day, we gulp in massive quantities of nitrogen in the air that we are breathing. Cannot the same God who made these elements and combined them in such a way that they do not explode also change that mixture and cause them to explode? Of course he can. It's his creation. How about this very scary substance? Table salt. Have you ever been afraid of your salt on the table? Well, table salt is one-third sodium. Sodium by itself is a gray putty-like substance. It must be kept in kerosene or it will explode. And if a drop is placed in water, it will, ex- it will result in a violent fire. And yet we eat it every day. And some of us eat way too much of it. Water. You ever concerned about water? Water is composed of oxygen and hydrogen. Both extremely explosive and yet combined in a manner that makes them completely safe. All God has to do is speak the word and the chemical arrangement is altered and the world becomes a huge fuel dump. And yet we drink this stuff every single day. And it is necessary for life. The atom. The atom. When the atom is split, you know what happens? A chain reaction is set in motion that can level entire cities and can vaporate men. And yet, we are all made up of what? Atoms. The earth. The earth has been compared to a globular egg with a hard crust covering a semi-liquid center. In fact, in scale, the earth's crust is the same thickness as an egg's shell when compared to the vast sea of lava underneath the crust. There have been times when that lava has burst forth. And when it does that, it kills thousands. It destroys everything in its path. And yet we walk on this thin crust every day and we trust the safety of the earth around us. God has everything in place to carry out his word just as he has said. The return of Christ is a certain event. We have God's word on it. It's a promise that he will keep. John chapter 14, 1 through 3. 
Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. Revelation twenty two twenty, He which testifieth of these things saith, Surely I come quickly. That's the word of Jesus. Surely I come quickly. But guess what? The angels also testify. In Acts chapter 1, verses 10 through 11. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. You know who else testifies? Paul himself in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. For the Lord himself shall descend from the heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. But the second coming of Jesus is also spoken by John in Revelation 1-7 as he is there on the island of Patmos. And this is the vision that Jesus Christ has given to him. This is the revelation that Jesus Christ has given to him directly. Behold, he cometh with clouds and every eye shall see him and they also which pierced him and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. All of these testify to the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The mockers, the scoffers, and other fools can have their laugh, but God will keep his promises. Jesus is coming again. Peter's whole point here is this. Man willfully ignores the truth so that he can continue to live in sin in mockery of Almighty God. And so that brings us to verses 8 and 9, and it's his coming is delayed. His coming is delayed. So why, why would Jesus delay his coming for 2,000 years? What could possibly allow a loving God to leave us in this situation for two millennia? Look at verse 8. And there is a reality to consider. A reality to consider. See, God doesn't view time as man does. God is totally unaffected by time. He exists outside of time. And by his accounting, Jesus has not even been gone for quite two days yet. The world, in God's accounting, it would seem here, is less than two weeks old at the oldest. And we must never forget that God doesn't wear a watch, okay? God doesn't have to worry about daylight saving time, okay? He, he, he doesn't worry about those things like we do. He is never early. He's never late. We, we, don't, we don't have a God who is concerned about time like we are. We also see in verse 9 a reminder to consider. God is not dragging his feet here. Men are called slackers when they don't operate on another man's schedule. I get very upset on Sunday mornings because my kids 
are not in a hurry. Okay? They're just not. They don't worry about it. You know what? We're going to get to church at some point. It's okay. Uh, there's sleeping to be done. Um, you know, there's, there's breakfast to be eaten. Oh, yeah. I think I might want to take a shower. It's 930. Every Sunday morning. And so when, when we are on a timetable, how many of you have ever been to Brazil? Is it not infuriating? They don't worry about time. It, it might happen in an hour. Or it might happen in four hours. It'll happen at some point. But when, when men don't operate on our time schedule, we consider that to be slacker. We consider that to be something aggravating. However, God answers to no one, okay? God doesn't answer to any of us. God is a God of order. And if, he, and if you don't believe me, just look at the universe around us. It is a model of precision, and it speaks of a precise, orderly God. He has a purpose in everything he does, even in what men call a delay. And there's a reason, a reason to consider Look at the second part of verse 9. And he gives us the reason for the delay. Why? Again, why would God delay his return? Why would he leave us in this world as crazy and messed up as it seems to be right now? He tarries to give lost men, lost women, lost boys, lost girls an opportunity to make things right with him. It's because of his mercy. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. God doesn't desire for anyone to go to hell. That's not his desire. He wants men and women, boys and girls to be saved. How do I know that? It's the very reason why he sent Jesus to die. John 3.16 For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus desires for you to be in heaven so much. For you to avoid hell so much. That he was willing to allow his precious son Jesus Christ to come to this world. And to die the horrifying death of the cross. But also... He calls men to himself. He, he desires for you to avoid hell. And so he is drawing you. John 6, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him and I will raise him up at the last day. He does the drawing. He says, you're not even listening. You don't even desire a relationship with me. I want you. And he begins to draw us to himself. Even as we are living in rebellion. And even as we are pushing him away. But also he tarries his coming and delays his judgment. 1 Timothy 2.4 Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth? Now not all men will be saved. But the desire of God is that all men would be saved. The desire of God is, is that, that no one would have to experience hell which was designed for, for Satan and, and the demons. He doesn't want anyone to go there. And so he tarries to give another opportunity. 
But also the final decision, however, lays on your shoulders. Notice what he says here. Come. Come. Come means to make room for. To come to Christ, you must be willing to make room. Make room in your life. In other words, get rid of some things. Make room for Jesus. Well, what do we get rid of? We say, Jesus, you're more important to me than the sin in my life. To to repent means we push the sin away and we run towards Jesus. We push the sin away and we go to where he has called us to be, which is in a relationship with him. God has gone so far. He's gone as far as he will go. And now he waits for you to come to him. He has paid the complete price for your salvation. He has drawn you to himself. Now, all that you must do is place your faith. Repent and place your faith in him. God's delay is to give you the opportunity to repent. The question this morning, if you don't yet have a relationship with Christ, is will you do it? Will you do it? Will you do that one part that the Lord has given to you? Repent and believe. He will not wait forever. Genesis chapter 6 verse 3. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. He waited 120 years then. But today is your day. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day when right now you know that you're feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Right now, today is the day that you know you're hearing the voice of the Lord saying, you know what, you're, you're the one I'm talking to. You're the one that's lost. You're the one that needs a relationship with me. You're here because I brought you here. I, draw, I have drawn you to this place because I want a relationship with you. He's speaking to you this morning. It's a fact this morning. The second coming of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is a fact. He is returning for his people. Well, who are his people? His people are the ones who are ready. His people are the ones who have a relationship with him. I am one of his people. Are you? I want you to be. But I can't do it for you. And your spouse can't do it for you. And mom and dad and grandparents can't do it for you. And your best friend who's sitting there saying, hey, you need to go. They can't do it for you. You have to make that decision to come to Jesus. To come to him. He delays his return today because he loves you. And he does not want you to die lost. He tarries to give you an opportunity to repent and to turn to him. This is an offer that's based totally on his love. It's not based on anything that you have in and of yourself. Because you have nothing to offer. This is based completely on Jesus and his mercy. Are you ready this morning? Are you ready to receive him? The world can scoff and the mockers can mock. But when he comes, when he comes, when he comes, the bottom line is this. Will you be taken in the rapture to spend eternity with Jesus? Or will you be found lost and judged and sentenced to hell? God has already made his decision. He loves you. He loves you. And he has made a way for you to be saved. He wants you to be saved. Now, you make the decision. You. Will you come? Will it be heaven or will it be hell? 
Will it be to embrace Jesus or will it be to push him away? Because there is no middle ground, my friends. There is no middle ground. You either say yes or you say no. Will it be, will it be Jesus or will it be hell? He's coming again. What will your decision be? This morning, we're going to stand and we're going to sing here in just a minute. And you're going to have the opportunity to make a decision. You're going to have the opportunity to step forward and come. You're stepping forward and coming up to the preacher doesn't save you, okay? That's not what's going to save you. You're going to talk to a preacher. That's not going to save you. What's going to save you is if you are willing to repent of your sin and say yes to Jesus. Are you willing to do that today? If you are, I'd love to help you. I'd love to answer any questions that you have. But would you come? This morning, some of you may need to make this your church home. You may need to come and you may need to say, yeah, I want to be a part of what God's doing here. Some of us just need to come to this altar. And we need to pray for that spouse or for that child or that friend who's lost. We need to pray for them today. Would you just come and would you intercede for them today? Because he is coming. It's a promise. The coming of the day of the Lord is a promise. What does it mean for you today? Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this promise that you've given us of the second coming. Lord, we thank you that it's, it's not just the hope, but it's an assurance, Lord, because it's from your word. And you always keep your word. And so, Lord, this morning, I know I've got some friends, and they need to come. And they need to be saved today. And I pray that you would stir their hearts, even now. And, Lord, that they would be brave and bold, and they'd take that step and say, yes, Lord. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn away from my sin. I'm going to turn away from my own way. And I'm going to say yes to you because I want that relationship with you. Lord, some of, of my friends today may not realize why they're here. They may, not, they may have thought that they were just coming with a friend or, or they just happened to get up and, hey, I'll go to church today. But, Lord, you have them here for a reason. So, Lord, I pray you stir their hearts right now. Lord, we have some brothers and sisters in Christ that need to make this their church home. And I pray that they might come today. Lord, others just need to come to this altar and they need to be in prayer for, for folks they love and care about. Lord, you know the needs on every heart. I'm going to get out of the way. Your Holy Spirit move and work as only He can. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we stand